Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. After a bye week, 2-0 Frogs were taken on Southern Methodist University. This Saturday, 11 o'clock, we're going to talk about TCU. We're going to talk about SMU. We'll take a glance around the Big 12. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, Jeremy, we had last Sunday evening off, but we wanted to do this Thursday evening show as we're getting ready for the SMU Mustangs coming to town. Frogs didn't get a chance to play SMU last year. Uh, Do you think there's going to be any energy for this game this week? (laughs) I think so, man. I think Tuesday kind of added some spice to this game, and I think it was much needed, to be honest with you. Well, I think so too. We're gonna we're gonna dig into that. Maybe maybe a little comments. Uh, Gary Patterson, um, short and spitting at a press conference out there, uh, spitting nails as he as he's prone to do. Uh, I don't know if it's need. I don't think the frogs needed to have a fire lit underneath them for this game. But if it wasn't there, it is there now. Isn't that the truth? Oh yeah. I mean, he kind of downplayed Ross's comments a little bit for those of those of you that have been under a rock. This past week, Rashi Rise, the SMU receiver, said uh, that TC was scared to play them last year and basically said some bad things about – not really bad things about Fort Worth, but said anyone that's smart would basically go to Dallas when they come to Texas instead of Fort Worth. So someone asked Gary about those comments on Tuesday, and you could kind of see the blood rushing to his face in typical Gary Patterson fashion and um, was – saying some good things about Rashi as a player and even mentioned that he probably should have offered him. I know why they didn't offer him. He didn't run real well at their camp, so they didn't they, they didn't want to offer. But um, it's it's interesting how, how that uh, – it, it's like I told someone today on the radio deal. SMU fans will tell you all day long TCU did not want to play that game. TCU fans will tell you all day long they tried to play that game. SMU didn't want to, so – it's just no no matter what, whether you wear red and blue or purple and white, you're gonna believe what you want to believe. But I, I'm I love the comments earlier this week because I think this game needed a little bit of that spice in it, and uh, obviously it it's worked out because the fans are getting behind it. And like you mentioned, Jeff, this game was it, it didn't need anything extra from a TCU player perspective. They've been waiting for this game for a long time. Well, it didn't need anything, but by golly, it is there now. You know, SMU, is, is this is the peak of their program since the death penalty. Let's just be real honest here. You know, in 2019, Sonny Dykes had them ranked. Um, they came to Memphis as, the, as an undefeated team late in the season, and that was the same Memphis team that beat them in a close game, and Memphis went to the Cotton Bowl that year after winning the American Athletic Conference. Um, tell us a little bit, you know, Sonny Dykes, has, his, there's no denying, he's done a great job building that program back up. I mean, God bless Chad Morris. He got he went six and six one year and then bolted to Fayetteville and got fired in like 90 days or something. <laughs> Basically, he didn't even get on a motorcycle. A year and a half, he was out the door. What has Sonny done to get SMU back on track? Because this is a quality team. Yeah, I mean, from the day they went over there as a new staff and took over in that Frisco Bowl, if you remember that game, it was – I mean, SMU just got dominated because, I mean, they literally had a couple weeks with the kids and new staff. I don't even think they had a full staff together. But, you know, he's he knows how to market the program. I mean, obviously, anyone that watches SMU knows that um, they've tried to have Dallas buy in. They've obviously tried to recruit local kids, Dallas kids, um, and they've 
built their program on uh, strong values on the the offensive side of the ball. Um, defense is still a little bit shaky at sometimes, but they got Jim Levitt. He's a pretty decent defensive coach. But I think it's you know overall as as a fan of anything, you want to see a lot of scoring, and that's what SMU's been able to do since Sonny's been the coach. And he's just a really likable guy. When he was over at TCU for that one year, I had a chance to talk with him a couple of times, being at football camps, whatnot. Really approachable guy. Uh, he gets along pretty much with anyone. I could see why people want to join his staff, and I could see why recruits want to go there. Um, but, yeah, he's he's done a pretty remar- remarkable job over there uh, at SMU. He's kind of built it uh, kind of like what TCU was back in those Mountain West days. Maybe not as – um, maybe not as, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe not as equal as what TCU was in the Mountain West, but that's the best word I could think of, by the way. It's late at night and I'm sleepy, but I, I think he's done a pretty good job of uh, building that program. Well, they don't have the defensive weapons coaching or scheme that Gary Patterson would have had in, say, you know, 2005 through 2011 right. when they were in the Mountain West. But they have the weapons on defense. I mean, that's the bottom. I mean, on offense. They have the weapons on offense. I, I, one of the things I'm curious about, I think SMU has done a better job of hammering the transfer portal as, as anybody. You know, they're, they're built to be able to take a Power 5 player, like, like, say, Tanner Mordecai, that just because he can't beat out Jalen Hurts and uh, Spencer Rattler doesn't mean he can't play Division One football. Right. So he comes back to the state of Texas, goes to a a program like SMU. I mean, Tanner Mordecai is probably starting at Texas Tech. He's probably starting at Baylor, but he's at SMU, and he's got some other weapons around him. So, you know, I I don't see any reason why they can't be competitive with both recruiting kids out of DFW as well as being um, real tactical in the transfer portal. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, transfer portal is real big for them, and I give the guys on our side a hard time every every time a, a guy enters the portal someone mentions them and hey would TCU have an interest and i would say probably 7 out of 10 times they wouldn't have an interest but you go to SMU site anytime a kid enters the portal every SMU fan so used to getting those kids that pretty much pretty much any kid that's a, a big name kid at a previous program when he when he enters his name in there SMU in some former fashion just immediately becomes a, a top school for that transfer. And uh, he's done a good job of building that. And even a few years ago when, when transfer started to become pretty big, they had, even though they were a, a, a G5 program, they their roster was full of guys that had P5 offers. And that's kind of what helped build them to where they are now. They in Most coaches, they'll take the JUCO route, but now with – transfer portal and and a grad transfer they they don't have to sit out so you can it's pretty much like basketball man you can fill in some pieces pretty quick and turn your program around but they've done a really really good job using that portal and and getting those transfer players uh and and for in most cases back home guys that were from dfw go off and somehow or another i don't know how they do it but they've they've always seemed to have like five or six seven spots that they leave open for those guys that want to come back home or just try to find another place to play football. Yeah, they're clearly not the top program in the AAC, but they're at the top of the middle of the pack. You know, they're they're not Memphis, they're not UCF, they're they're not Cincinnati, 
But, I mean, this is a better program than Houston right now. I mean, I'm not yeah. impressed with what Dana's putting on the field. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's having a blast off the field, but it, this is a better program than <laughs> – this is a better program than Temple, obviously, when uh, when R- Matt Rule was there and and, and went in the AAC. Uh, SMU is uh, not to be taken lightly. And what we've seen in this last week, I don't think anybody's going to be taking this game uh, lightly on Saturday. So. Were you surprised at all by you know, what we saw last week with SMU? Oh, I am not surprised. I, I have a – I, you know, obviously I didn't, you know, I didn't follow Rice's recruitment as closely as probably you did. I mean, he, he was out of Richland Hills, wasn't he? Right, right. I think, I think I made a been at that camp. We were standing there when he did not run like we thought he would. And I know speed, you know, what's, what's the one thing Gary loves? Say it for me, Jeremy. Speed, speed baby. Speed baby. Um, but I'm not surprised because, you know, they're, they're an up and coming program. They're trying to climb. And what you got to do is you got to pick a fight with a guy bigger than you. And there's no one closer to pick a fight with than TCU. And so this is a game that's on the books every year. When TCU wins, they're supposed to. But when SMU wins, it, it makes their season. I mean, like, I, we're going to talk about this. I mean, I think the Frog thing, I think the players still have a sore taste and a sour taste in their mouth from that 2019 game back when they got, you know, they, they jumped out of the gate with a couple of quick scores, a couple of gadget plays, the Mustangs did. I, I think SMU is going to come ready to roll, and I'm not surprised they wanted to pick a fight because this is what they want. They want to make a point, and they want to make a point on the field, and they want to make a point on the recruiting trail. So I'm, I was not surprised that that happened. I'm not saying it was planted, but I think there may have been some intentional statements in order to stir the pot a little bit. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's worked. I mean, it worked. <laughs> yeah. thank, thank you, Rashi, because uh, – it it worked because you, you got a lot of fans fired up and even got GP a little bit fired up. I didn't even see it till you said it, Colin. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, he, <laughs> poor Colin. I know Colin. You Colin asked me two questions. Work, but he he asked good questions, but he, he you didn't want to ask. Colin's it. like, you didn't want to ask the two questions. Send, send the young guy wanted to say. Yeah, send the young guy in there. Let him ask it. So. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the field because off the field has had plenty of fireworks and, and plenty of comments on our message board. I know I always push our board late in the show, but yeah, there was plenty of comments on the board this week about it. So, all right, what do the Frogs need to do on defense to shut down this SMU offense? Obviously, the Mustangs are going to try to get the ball downfield. I think they're going to um, try to stretch the field and make the most of maybe some weak spots that they see in the Cal game. What do the Frogs need to do to get an advantage in shutting down the SMU offense? Well, if SMU's not going to do max protection, then they've got to get to the quarterback. And and if you watch Tanner Mordecai a little bit this year, uh, SMU wants to get the ball out quick, and sometimes he's taking a little bit of time to get rid of the ball. So um, a lot of SMU uh, folks, media, fans, whatever, they all feel that sometimes he holds on to the ball a little bit too long. And TCU's got to take advantage of that. They got to get O'Shawn Mathis involved. They got to get Dylan Horton involved. We don't know if Kyrie Coleman's going to play yet. So it's it's just a major, major thing they have to do, and that's getting to the quarterback. They haven't done a good job as a defensive line getting to the quarterback the first two games. And if you're not doing that, that's why they're giving up those big long plays. That's Cal. They did max protection. They had six, sometimes seven guys in there blocking four guys. And I don't care who you are. If you got three, four, five seconds to throw, you're going to connect on a pass. 
And TCU has got to do a better job getting to the quarterback. They got to do a better job of playing deep, uh, whether it's uh, Caesar, whether it's Hodges Tomlinson, both of them, neither, neither one of them have looked exceptional this year. Um, even even Hodges, you know, Tomlinson, he's we had all the preseason hype, and right now I'll just tell you he's not playing up to it. He'll probably tell you the same thing, but. I think this week you'll probably see a little bit of TJ Carter playing some corner. Uh, I don't want people thinking that I mentioned him at playing corner that he's going to go out there and start. I don't know. I just know he's been getting reps at corner. I don't even know if he's been getting reps with the first or second team, but they can't give up the big plays defensively like they did against Cal because I think SMU's offense is much better than Cal's uh, offense. Good thing is, I think the SMU defense is a lot worse than what Cal's defense is. Well, we'll all find out on Saturday. All right, let's flip over to our side of the ball. You know, what do the Frogs need to do to, um, you know, what are some of their keys to victory uh, on the offensive side of the ball? Obviously, I think start quick, SMU, man. Start quick. Don't go down 14 nothing. Don't right. let a, a, you know, a, a flea flicker. Let somebody get behind you right away. But what what does Doug Meacham want to do on offense this this game in order to um, establish the plan that he wants to execute? Well, I don't even know if it's really even Doug. It's probably more Gary and um, telling them what they what he wants them to do offensively is control the clock. I mean, the best way to be at a good offense is to keep them off the field, right? And I know fans don't necessarily want to hear that, but. SMU has got very good receivers. They've got pretty decent running backs, and they've got a pretty decent quarterback. I will say this. I don't think Tanner Mordecai is as athletic and as consistent as Shane Bouchelle was. I think they've taken a step back at that position. And on the flip side of that, they're not seeing a true freshman in Max Duggan making his third career start. So Max has got a lot more experience. Obviously, you look at the running backs – if Zach Evans goes out there and has another day like he did against Cal, there should be no one complaining about how many passing yards or time of possession, anything, um, if if they're going to run the football behind that guy. Receiver-wise, if, if they do – and I think SMU, I think the game plan is for them not to necessarily stack the box, but I think they're going to want to make Max beat them. And that could be a good thing. They've given up 300 and. 50 yards the past two games through the air. So we know uh, that Max missed some passes against Cal, but the good thing was, and, and you and I talked about this last time, we saw wide open receivers. We saw receivers getting behind the DBs, and that's something that you and I can agree on that we haven't seen a lot of, and the fans listening in are probably shaking their head. Yeah, that's that's right. We haven't seen that in a while. Even with Jalen Rager, he wasn't a guy that created separation like that all the time. But when you see a wide open uh, Quincy Brown running down the sidelines or a Darius Davis running down the seam or Tay Barber five yards behind the DB, I mean, that's that's something that we haven't really seen the last couple of years. And it sounds crazy, but it gives me optimism knowing that those plays are there. You just got to execute them. And I don't think he could get any worse unless Max starts throwing interception after interception. But he's eventually going to hit those plays, and it's going to lead to points. So that's that's how I think it's going to have to go down. The offense is going to have to really win this game. Well, I know that I do not make seven figures, but my suggestion is give the ball to Zach Evans. Does that make sense? 
Give the ball oh, to Zach yeah. Evans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give, give the ball give to it, Zach give Evans. Give it to him 20, 25 times a game, whether it's 20 handoffs or five ca- – I mean, I just feeding the ball 25, especially if he's got the hot hand like he mm-hmm. did last time out. So, I mean, that's – I mean, if, if to you, Jeff, if you see, if you see Zach running – and a little birdie told me this, and <laughs> probably get in trouble for even sharing this, but a little birdie told me that if you watch the Cal game, Zach had a couple runs, and then all of a sudden he went off the field. Well, that wasn't a decision made by Jerry Kill or Doug Meacham. It was kind of made by Applewhite, and Applewhite didn't get in trouble, but I don't think anyone agreed with Zach being pulled off the field, so... I don't think we'll see that again this week. If Zach's having some good runs, they're not just going to yank him off the field unless he's tapping his the top of his helmet, asking for a sub to come in and, and relieve him a little bit. Oh, that's hot content right there. That's why you <laughs> listen to this podcast. That's why you listen sure. to this podcast. That's right. Oh, man. All right. So I think we're going to see some of those things on the field. I think the Mustangs are going to try to slow down the run game. I do think that um, TCU is going to try to – I don't want to say sit on the ball because I, I, I don't think that's accurate. But I do think they're going to try to control the clock in a way that is inside of their offense that still has strategic ways to attack, not only with the run game but downfield. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how Tor- uh, Tanner Mordecai is going to be able to hold up um, – Let's just state the obvious. They should have lost to Louisiana Tech. I mean, they had that. It's not a Hail Mary. Somebody corrected me. It's not a Hail Mary, but they threw that pass into the cluster in the end zone, and somebody jumped up and tipped it to the guy that was standing by himself. And you do it 100 times in practice, and it works five times. Well, it worked in that game, and that's how they won. Otherwise, they're coming in here with an L to a Conference USA team that we beat, what, like 52-6 to last year? 52-3. to And it might not even it might not even been that close, and that's what that's what confuses me about this game because I know SMU is going to come out looking like a different team. We all know that it's a robbery game. They they just they play up for this game sometimes. But what what's weird to me is it it was less than a year ago that TCU just completely went out and annihilated that same team, mm-hmm. and it wasn't it was almost like watching the the Duquesne, Duquesne game. I mean, you had Zach Evans had what 130 yards rushing. Kendrick, uh, uh, Miller just ran Kendrick, like crazy. Yeah, Kend- Kendrick Miller had like 175 yards. I mean, and both of them averaged like 12 yards. It was something stupid. Yeah, Quentin Johnston just running down the field with his right hand up in the air from the snap. Yeah, so it's. I mean that that's the thing is, and we all know TCU is playing very good football at the end of the year. So are we going to see it, – it's so hard because you don't like to do that whole scenario where, well, this team beat this team by this much, so TCU should beat this team by this much. But it, it all ends up really weird. Upsets happen. Whatever. Not just TCU, just any college football game. But that's, that's the thing that's confusing me the most right now because I expected SMU to be 3-0, and but I didn't expect them to have – have to win that game against Louisiana Tech on the last play of the game. And when you see them coming to town and they're facing a TCU team that looked good against Duquesne, uh, struggled a bit against Cal, which I think Cal is going to be better than most people are, are giving, giving them credit for right now. But 
I see that Louisiana Tech game last year, and they just completely, completely destroyed them. And I mean, by six touchdowns or seven touchdowns, and you got SMU coming here that had to rely on a, a the last play of the game to win. So part of me thinks TCU could go out there and win this game 42 to 17. And part of me thinks it's going to be what I predicted 41, 20. I, I think TCU is going to win, but I feel like SMU is going to give a lot of TCU fans some, some heartburn and stress during the game on Saturday. Well, let's ask the question that gets asked 42,000 times on our board. Why do we still play this game? Uh, it's a good question. Proximity, rivalry. Maybe they like bragging about the iron skill. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, it's. I don't know. It tradition, I guess. History, Jeff. I I couldn't tell you. Why do you think we play it still? Well, I'm a minister, and the most frequent answer to the question "Why do we do this?" is this is the way we've always done it. So, <laughs> so I I I think it's probably born. You know, this this series continued when the Frogs left the WAC and went into Conference USA, and they were not conference mates with SMU. And I think it was probably, you know, some sense of – because we were the only team left that was, I guess, Houston, that was from the Southwest Conference. And we moved into the Mountain West. Obviously, we were the only team left from the Southwest Conference. It is an easy road game. You know, you probably don't have to pay the money. You know, like if we give them seventy grand, they give us seventy grand or whatever right. the cost is. Like, it's a wash financially. Um, you know, I know. You know, when when the frogs are good and SMU is SMU, we put more fans in the stadium than they do over there at Gerald Ford, named not after the president, by the way. Um, I think we play it because of proximity and because we've always played it. So, you know, with the change in landscape of college football, who knows what'll happen? But if nothing else, it does. Uh, it, it does generate some fireworks every now and then, and it's generated some fireworks this week. It's probably good for DFW. Anything that yeah. we can do to, uh, anything we can do to generate a little mo- lo- local media attention is is for the best. And this game will get some local media attention. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of TV cameras there on Tuesday, um, way more than what there were. It was probably more cameras there for this game than there were combined for Duquesne and Cal. So the good thing that helps it out is SMU is a good program now. Sunny Docks is. Uh, a pretty well-known known coach now, and everyone knows, like I mentioned earlier, that SMU is a pretty good offense, and they're exciting to watch, and they've got some really good players. So it makes it it makes the rivalry even better when when you have two good teams um, trying to get this win. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, all right. Well, let's get some predictions here on the books, Jeremy. What do you predict to be the final score of the TCU SMU game this Saturday? I'm still going 41-28. And I don't know – I can't remember what we predicted in our preseason thing that you uh, sealed up and stuck in your church safe. But I've got uh, it right here. I've got it right here. You predicted um, – you predicted 45-34, and I predicted 38-28. Okay, so after – this, that prediction was made before we saw any games, right? That's correct. So, we did all that at the beginning of the year. Okay, so after two games, I'm going to go 41-28. 41-28. I'm going to go 41-28. I think we'll tack another <laughs> field goal on there. No, 40 – I'm going to go – no, 48-21. Excuse me. 41-21. <laughs> 41, 41, 
Yeah. 4121 is what you're going. Yeah. 4121. I wrote it down and put it back in the church safe. So, okay. Yeah. We're good to go. We're good to go on that front. Well, we got to think, I I think the thing is it's that what's different this time is, and I, and I go back to two years ago, you had like, like I mentioned earlier, Max was making his first career start. I want to say they had four turnovers that game. They played as about as bad a game as I can remember TCU playing against SMU. What's that? And they still should have won. Yeah. And you, you take all they you take all those factors into account and they and SMU played one of their best games they've ever played in the series, and they still only won by three points. And that's that's what gives me even even the year when they had Chad Morris and everyone's talking about Chad Morris this, Chad Morris that, and they did put up a lot of points that James Prochet, TCU still beat them by 17 points or something crazy. Like it was it was still a high scoring game for TCU. Um, and this, this team, I don't see them making those same type of mistakes. I just, I just really don't. And it's like Wes Harris mentioned the other day, that game two years ago is going to look so much different come Saturday because a lot of players are gone from that team for SMU. A lot of players are gone for that team for TCU. TCU has older guys. SMU has older guys, but I think the difference in this ball game is going to be defense. SMU has uh, given up a lot of passing yards the last two weeks. They gave up over 300 to North Texas, gave up over three, I think 387 against North Texas. Now, they were way ahead and they were giving up some plays in the second half. I understand that they're going to get some yards, but Louisiana Tech last week, that was whether they had guys miss out or not. TCU's had guys out. They're still susceptible to give up big plays. And TCU's overall weapons on offense, I don't think it is anywhere. I mean, 2019 compared to 2021 offensive-wise, it's not even close. It's not even the same universe uh, to the type of play. And everyone's going to say, well, what about Jalen Rager? He's first-round pick. Well, yeah, they had Jalen Rager, but now they've got like eight receivers that can catch the ball, that can get open. They've got four running backs that can get them yards on the ground, and they've got a third-year quarterback that is much better than he was two years ago and – He's one of the fastest, if not the fastest quarterback in the nation. So TCU, I mean, the it's it's all out in front of them. They need to score points this game. They need to set the tone. And like I mentioned earlier, this this game is a game that they've been waiting on. Trust me. Rice could have been silent. He couldn't have said a word all week. SMU could have been silent all week. This game was still going to be a game players are going to be fired up for. They've been waiting for it. Trust me. Well, we will find out on Saturday at 11 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. All right, let's do a few quick predictions here around the rest of the Big 12. Are you ready, Jeremy? I'm going to give you the game and spread. You tell me what you're doing. Texas Tech is traveling to Austin. The the Longhorns are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Do the Longhorns cover? Give me the Red Raiders. Red Raiders. Red Raiders outright or just cover? They'll cover. I don't know if they'll win outright because it's in Austin, but they'll cover. Oklahoma State is a five and a half point favorite. This game opened at eight and a half. They are a five and a half point favorite. Both of them three and zero against the fighting Kansas State Bill Snyder's. Who you Give got? Me Kansas, State. Kansas State. Kansas State. All right, they're going to cover. You think they're going to win? They're going to win. Uh, I think Kansas State covers, but Mike Gundy prevails. The mullet has had enough time to grow back to where it's healing powers. 
are beginning to be restored. <laughs> healing That's, powers. It's healing powers. That's right. West Virginia Mountaineers coming off of a big win. They are traveling to Norman, and they are 17.5-point underdogs to Oklahoma. Got Who do you have winning that game? Who do you have covering in that game? West Virginia covers. Oklahoma wins. West Virginia covers. Oklahoma wins. That's not a bad game. That's not. Uh, I think that's probably right. And then a game I know is probably going to break some viewing some viewership records this year. I know we've had some big games. We had UCLA uh, going out or hosting LSU. I know we had Oregon and uh, Ohio State. I know we had Texas, Arkansas. But Jeremy Duke is is, is hosting Kansas. <laughs> If, wow. this, if this isn't a pillow fight, I don't know. Is this know basketball this or football? This is ba- This is football. Okay. <laughs> but they are going to have a basketball game at halftime, and the loser has to finally testify in the FBI case about illegal recruitment. <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to call the game at half. <laughs> They're just going to call the game at half. That's right. And cancel both their football programs. Duke is a 16-point favorite at home against the Titan Jayhawks. You think they cover? Yeah. Kansas All right. is still bad. Kansas is still bad. Yes, yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're um whew, that's a game no one should ever have to watch. All right, one last game. It's in there in the state of Texas interest to us. They're in Jerry World, number seven, Texas AM fighting Aggies against the number 17 fighting Sam Pittman, Arkansas Razorbacks. Aggies are only four and a half point favorites. Who you got next Ooh, game? I'm gonna go Aggies. I think they'll cover. Arkansas will make it watchable, but I think Aggies cover. What about Iowa State and Baylor? Oh, I I'm been, I try to avoid Baylor. It's like oh, well, I no, thought I'm, Matt Campbell was going to overrule that decision. Oh, I caught that. That's a Matt. That's a Matt Rule joke. Um, Iowa State is traveling to McLean Stadium, the world's largest toilet bowl, and Iowa State seven point favorite. Who you have in that game? Iowa State. Iowa I just State. wanted to say Iowa State was going to win that game. Iowa State. Iowa State. Big. You wrote this all down, right? Yes, I did. I wrote it all down. Keeping predictions, and then at the <laughs> end of the year, we're gonna. We have a bet on the line for all-you-can-eat high barbecue. Oh, you better get your credit card uh, maximum lift uh, uh, raised of your credit limit because I can eat. Well, let me tell you something. Have you me- seen me? You've seen me lately, and I've seen you lately. I guarantee you, I could eat a lot more than you. You know, we might because have- I don't know where you put food these days, dude. <laughs> Are you are you thinking I'm looking pretty good? Is that what I'm hearing? You man, think? you're look you're looking suave, man. Well, I mean, well. you're 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 all thinned thinned up, and whatever weight you're losing, it's going toward me. Okay, well, I you know I'm swole. That's what I tell myself every morning. <laughs> so I'll take. I mean, I'd be happy to 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 pay off a bet if it's high. I'm having to feed you because I won't have to worry about that. Okay, we'll make that happen. All right, one last comment. It's Big Twelve adjacent. BYU is three and zero. All Man. three games against Pac-12 teams. That's pretty dang good. That's pretty dang good. Yep. I'm, 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 I know they're a headache to have in the conference, but that's a good football program, and that's a good football team. So, and they it's have going to be fun going to those games again. I know they've they still have they closed the year with USC. They've got Virginia and one other Power Five. I think they have six Power Five teams on the schedule. So. Um, I'm not going to waste time pulling it up, but yeah, BYU three and O moving up the ranks. So whenever I look at the rankings, I always include the, I, I include Cincinnati and BYU in the big 12 count. And then I take Oklahoma out and I don't have to worry about Texas because they're they're It's week three. So they're coming up on week four. So they're not ranked anymore. So we, you know, one of these days we got to dive in to the whole BYU to the uh, big 12. 
All right, we'll do that. Because we'll do- to me, it just seemed like, and and we're going to talk about more, but I just want to tell you what my reasoning behind wanting to talk about it, because I always felt like BYU was trying to be like the Notre Dame, you know, be their own individual, have their own TV package, do whatnot. And it just seems like to me, and like I said, we'll talk about this later on, getting them into the Big 12 seemed extremely easy. Yeah. It did. Well, it, we'll talk about it, but I think it was extremely easy once they realized this is the future. Consolidation is the future. You want to be on the inside looking out, not the outside looking in. Right. So, yeah, we'll talk. We can talk about that. We got plenty of time to talk about it. And if they keep keep winning, we'll we'll give them some more airtime. That's how that's how it works. All right, folks, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Pro- of the Frogcast. We're glad to preview SMU. We will be back later this week to recap, hopefully, the Frogs' victory over the SMU Mustangs. Hey, we'll know by like 2.30 how things are going to shake out on Saturday. I know everybody hates 11 o'clock games. Jeremy loves them, so we got to deal with I know you do. I know you do. So we'll be back this weekend with a recap podcast, and we'll be talking about SMU-TCU as well as looking around big, the Big 12 and the rest of college football. So until we get back together again in just a few days, for Daniel Southern and Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. Mm-hmm.